welcome to episode 155 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Pre-season week one is done. You can overreact, you can panic, you can do what you want, but tonight we're talking quarterbacks. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Quarterbacks, my favourite subject of them all. We might even mention hard knocks, which was a bit meh, I felt, plus anything else that takes our fancy. All of these in the company of Charles Patterson. Good evening, Charles. Good evening. Delighted to see that Jordan Love is worth the hype. <laughs> isn't he just? Isn't he just? Now, uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. But before we do that, we were supposed to be joined by a fourth person to talk quarterbacks. We were going to be joined by Jim Ballard, of course, former Scottish Claymore member of the NFL Scotland podcast team. But we couldn't get him. So instead, we've got someone that Paul loves to barter with, someone who he can negotiate. Please welcome. It's Gordon McGuinness. How's it going? Oh, no. <laughs> that wasn't in my contract. I'm only supposed to appear with him once a month. Yep, nobody knew Gordon was joining apart from me, Charles, and Paul thought they had the night off tonight. But nope, he's here to noise them up as much as he can and keep them right. <laughs> so, sit back and listen to 90 minutes to do. of why oh. Jameis Winston is better than Taysom Hill. It all starts now. <laughs> You bring him on when the Ravens have beaten the Saints in preseason. Of course, nobody beats the Ravens in the preseason because they go crazy. They open up their passing game. They just go nuts. It's it's fantastic. They're a great team to watch in the preseason. I would not like to watch any other team in the preseason than the Baltimore Ravens. They're a real favourite. Mine's up. Delighted Gordon's here. <laughs> I'm weirdly attached to this preseason winning streak as well. Like I think if they get to, if they get to twenty, then I kind of won't care until they get close to thirty, and then I'll really care. But like it's like a weirdly it's it's a really bizarre streak because preseason is entirely random. Like in fact, I've not done this yet. I want to work out. So preseason odds are basically even money, a little bit less. I think. I wonder what if you'd put ten pounds on the Ravens to win. 18 preseason games ago and just kept putting the winnings on time over time. Like 18 evens in a row is a pretty decent sum of money for a tenner, I think. Especially if you kept taking your winnings and adding that onto the next one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, just rolling it over. Yeah. 18, oh, starting with starting with a tenner. I yeah. think you'd be over a million pounds by now. Let's, let's have a look. Just check this. So, right, we've now distracted Gordon while he goes and does some sums in the background. I can multitask, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what we're doing is, this came out of a conversation we we're having last time, Paul, where we started talking about, uh, you know, wide receiver duels and things like that. We'd started to talk about who was in a bad place when it came to quarterback depth, but also who's maybe in a good place. And now that we've had week one of the preseason done, you know, this is where the overreaction comes. This is where, oh, this guy's going to totally challenge for this because he's slung for two touchdowns against the fourth stringers. But this is the conversation that we're going to kick off tonight. And really what we want to do here is, is look at some of the teams where we think you know, the greatest areas of concern are what's the biggest drop-off after QB1? And then who are the teams that are actually set up to have a little bit of a battle? And potentially, who are some of the quarterback twos that might become quarterback one sooner rather than later? Well, I know one quarterback that I very much think of as a two, um, but we'll come back to that later. I think the other driving force behind this was, of course, Cameron, the early season problems of the Colts and the Cowboys. You know, Carson Wentz appears to have made a miracle recovery uh, so too does Dak Prescott, and then he's been thrown back 
a little bit as well, because we were already talking about how the Colts and the Cowboys could be affected if neither of these gentlemen were to take the field. So I think that's the best place to start. And if we look at the problems that the Cowboys are having, which if, if you looked at hard knocks, you know, Dak has been seen by specialists in the Yankees and the Astros because there's something wrong with the throwing mechanics in his shoulder. I don't think that's a particularly good way to be going into your season. I think that is causing a lot of unease. And one of the biggest tropes that we get during preseason is when people come out and say, yeah, oh, don't worry, they'll be fine, they'll be fine, don't worry about it, they'll be fine. I'm not really sure they will be fine. So I would worry for both Dallas and for Indianapolis if neither of those guys can take the field. I mean, is it Cooper Rush that it's the guy that's behind Dak Prescott? I mean, I'd never even heard of Cooper Rush till I Googled him. So Cooper well, Rush... Well, you saw how badly um, Dallas fell off a cliff when he was injured last year. But then he, that was when they had Andy Dalton, who could probably start for a team uh, in the NFL at a push and may well start... Um, for considerable length of time with the Bears, uh, you've got to. Uh, I think there's an old saying that the most, the second most important person in your franchise is your backup quarterback. Now, I'm not entirely sure that that's absolutely accurate, but if Dallas want to do absolutely anything at all, they've got to find a better solution than what they've got right now. And if if we look at the the setup, so let's yeah, let's talk about Dallas first of all. So you know. Um, Cooper Rush is ranked currently fourth in the unofficial depth charts. So I think, you know, QB2 there is Garrett Gilbert. If you take Garrett Gilbert as an option, now, obviously went and played most of his games really at the Orlando Apollos, was one at the, one of the better teams in the uh, AAF, the Alliance of America Football League or whatever it was. You know, obviously beyond that, he spent time with the Cleveland Browns. But as of 2020, as a 30-year-old quarterback, he's had one touchdown, one interception, 283 yards passing um, with a 52% completion rate uh, in the NFL. He is not experienced. He's not spent a lot of time there. Uh, and, and like you say, this is not a lot of depth. We didn't see anything great out of the Cowboys last season when Dak went off a cliff and this is kind of already starting to talk into this hard knocks piece but yeah there's, there's got to be worries about Dak's health and fitness the ankle the shoulder you know even the rustiness the fact that he's not played since October last year there's a lot to overcome there and I guess yeah if you're looking around the league is there a is there a worse quarterback room for depth than the Dallas Cowboys well, you, you could argue the Jets on that one potentially mm. um, I don't think they've got uh, is it um, James Morgan could be the could be the potential backup, um, or the Titans. I was looking Logan Woodside. We've all heard of Logan Woodside, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, a seventh round pick of the Bengals um, is is projected to be either two or three there. So that, that, there are some places that that you certainly do you do worry. I mean, I mean you, Houston sorry, Houston has to be the worst quarterback room, and they've got Deshaun Watson running with the fourth string safeties. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it's a valid one. So Texas sucks if you're a quarterback, <laughs> or if you're a quarterback in Texas, you suck pretty much. Um, what about Pittsburgh? And we, I know Gordon loves digging into Pittsburgh. I, there's, I, not I one, there's not one quarterback in there that you would trust so, at so, all. So I, I'm going to shock everyone here with a compliment for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, kind of, it's kind of a backhanded compliment. <laughs> Uh, wouldn't shock me if not through in injury 
one of those two guys starts at least a game this year. Mm. Roethlisberger looked like his arm was gone towards the end of last year. Um, they haven't really shown any proper drive for a succession plan. And I don't think Mason Rud- Rudolph is terrible. I mean, he's not a good fighter, but... <laughs> and, and, and Dwayne Haskins, for as much as he hasn't proved anything in the NFL, was a first-round pick. It wasn't that long ago. Like, there, there was talent there. Um, and they are a good organisation. Like, I, I, I think there's... I mean, if you compared them to other, like both of those guys, Rudolph and Haskins, there's probably numerous teams who would be okay with them as their backups. I think I think you would take either of those as the backup in Dallas, for example. I love for the I love the fact that the Steelers have rolled the dice on Haskins purely because it's the most unsteelers like thing to do. You would never expect them to take a risk on someone who's clearly a liability um, off. The field and has not been, has not proved to be any good on the field really thus far. But as you said, he is a first round pick, so there's clearly some talent there. It's the the succession planning thing. Mason Rudolph is not going to be the long term successor to Roethlisberger. There's no way he's proved that he's anything other than a, a permanent backup, if not uh, someone who you can call off the free agent list in the future. And Dobbs came in towards the end of last season as well. And he didn't set the head on fire either. These are not guys that you can rely on to take your team into the playoffs. But I love the fact that they've rolled the dice in Haskins. It's almost as if they're getting desperate. <laughs> well, I also well, they, think they are getting desperate. I think they are getting desperate. I mean, you look at it, Mason Rudolph, you said it, he's not a fighter. He's a lover, not a fighter. Dwayne Haskins, well, Mrs. Dwayne Haskins is a fighter, not a lover, apparently. <laughs> so that's the other way around. Um, I, th- I think Charles is right. He's he's worth a punt because you never know what you might get out of them. And I think Gordon's right. I think they've actually got one of the better rooms. If you know Big Ben goes out, you know for a week or two, then they they don't go down the pan. I mean, I think you know they've got uh, Mason Rudolph is nobody's answer to anything. You know, nobody's going to be trading for him and trying to come and get him. But, ironically, you know, get, ironically, uh, for a week or two. Ironically, worth a punt was what the Steelers' offense was referred to in the second half of last year. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, now even I'm regretting asking him. Um, <laughs> Dwayne Haskins, to be fair to him as well, I thought he he outperformed Mason Rudolph in preseason game one. Now, again, R- Rudolph started, so it was against the ones. Fine, don't read too much into it. But Mason Rudolph, like, for a start, seems to think... Uh, that all of his receivers are at least eight foot six. Uh, he spends, you know, most of his most of his receivers are doing some kind of uh, combination of the YMCA dance to try and go and get the ball because it's just all over the place. Um, whereas Dwayne Haskins looked a little bit nervous at first, but kind of got into the game and settled into it and actually looked decent. I think that you've got more upside with Haskins, definitely, like you guys have been saying. He was clearly talented. He went into Washington. That was a tough spot for him to land. That franchise has been going through an awful lot of stuff as well. Uh, Mike Tomlin's the sort of person you want to take a quarterback like that and try and get him sorted out. So it's a good possible spot. Cameron, nobody forced them to go to a strip club during a pandemic. I mean, you, it's it's all about judgment and becoming the future face of the franchise and all this kind of thing. I mean, no, you know that that was not his finest hour. I think we can all agree on that. And that that just that's why I'm surprised they they, they did take a chance on him. I didn't particularly see that coming. But it, it depends whether you're going on character or talent. And I think there's enough talent in there. I think one of the teams and I've mentioned it already that will struggle is potentially Tennessee 
who are slated to win their division as it stands with Ryan Tannehill. But at the moment, they've got, I mentioned Logan Woodside and Matt Barkley as the two backup quarterbacks. Now, unless, I mean, Logan Woodside, to be fair to him, I don't think he's actually started a game yet, but you're then looking at an unknown coming in. And as you know, these things can go one of two ways. They can either be spectacularly brilliant or they can be like that. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Somebody will remember it, who was thrown in for the Buffalo Bills and got flushed again within a quarter or two for having thrown about 16 interceptions. Oh, uh, David Peterman. Nathan Peterman, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it, it can go you know, one, one of two ways. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, Woodside as well. I mean, he had a DUI prior to minicamp back in 2018, but, he, you know, he's hung around there. Um, they see something in him because he's been there for a few seasons, but who knows? I think the Chargers have got a bit of a problem if Herbert goes down because Chase Daniel is their backup. And having seen him at Wembley with the Bears, he is the absolute anti-Justin Herbert. He can't throw beyond the you know the ten yard line if he's standing on his own goal line. I mean, he's not going to generate anything. You, what you can't have is a drop off. That's the that's the big thing. You're obviously going to get a drop off um, in some shape or form, but you can't have this chasm from one you know to two. It's just not it's not feasible, and that's why it's so easy for players to get injured nowadays. You you would think that there would be enough nouse in each organization to think actually we need to nail this position and then there's a couple of um, i mean you look at the um the, the raiders for example they've got mariota as their backup he's arguably the best backup out there who could probably start um and that kudos to gruden for going and getting him last year and and you do wonder why they don't think about these things a bit more so let's stick to the bad side of this because we will come on to the good side I want us to pick the top three worst quarterback situations in the NFL going into this season. And I think I'm, I'm going to go in and say the Cowboys is in there for a definite. Does anyone disagree with that? Are, are we, we're looking at backups. We're, not, we're looking at, we're not. yeah, depth outside the top one. Okay. So it's, it's overall depth at the quarterback position. Are, are we going to exclude the Texans from this conversation? Because it's just not fair. No. <laughs> they didn't have to go and get who they went and got. So well, no, <laughs> but I I don't I think there's worse than the Texans. I think there's worse than the Texans. So I'm not sure they're top uh, bottom three. But the Cowboys is definitely in that bottom three because just after Dak Prescott, it falls off a cliff and there's just there is nobody there at all. Um, the other ones that we talked about there were the Jets. The only one is Josh Johnson, who's uh, has shown some flashes of capability. Potentially, he's currently ranked in at number four on the on the depth chart. He's not a young man, but you know, you look at his well, it's eight eight touchdowns to fourteen interceptions, one thousand six hundred thirty-two passing yards, uh, with a passer rating of sixty-one point seven. Fine, do you know what? He's not exactly done anything brilliant in his career, but he's been around a lot of places. Um, so maybe the maybe the Jets are the other one. Um, who else though? Well. well I mean, Gordon's here with his preseason haircut, which I really like, by the way. Uh, Trace McSorley at the Ravens, is he, is he an answer? He, so he's not going to be the back. I think he's got a back injury that's going to keep him out for preseason. Tyler Huntley's going to be the backup. And the Ravens are like a weird situation in that if you have a good athlete at quarterback, I think they would probably be somewhat passable. Um, I think Tyler Huntley probably keeps them, if he had to start a full season, 
somewhere in like the six to nine win range, just because of the style of offense they run. Okay. Um, who, who I would have in amongst some of the worst, Tampa Bay. Like if Brady goes down, that's Kyle Trask is their kind of potential future plan. But you know, we'll he didn't do very goes. well. <laughs> the week. Play, yeah, Blaine Gabbert. Ryan Griffin, that that's not a good quarterback room. The Seahawks, if Russell Wilson goes down, not great. Do the Seahawks not have Geno Smith? Is that why it's not great? Yeah, that's right. I just want to name names, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, do you know what? It's funny. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is definitely, yeah, Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin and Cal Trask is pretty poor. The only thing you could maybe hope is that Trask could come through behind that a decent offensive line. He obviously wasn't playing behind one on at the weekend, but I mean his numbers were absolutely honking. Um, at they least really they were. at least they have a rookie though that they can work with. Yeah. Um you look at not that they're gonna compete in any way, shape or form. You look at the, the Lions, you've got Jared Goff, and then you've got Tim Boyle, who was the backup for Rogers in Green Bay and you know and now has become essentially the number two there. And then you've got David Blau who did, I think, he took a few snaps last year or the year before. Yeah, he played Thanksgiving, that, that, didn't he? That team is yeah. essentially, what's the point? Yeah. I, I, I know I'm bashing the Lions again, but what is the point Atlanta, in not having a backup there that can actually maybe challenge Jared Goff? Atlanta are pretty poor as well. Atlanta, you're looking at Felipe Franks and AJ McCadden. Oh, it's, not, it's not great. <laughs> Um, the the one other name I'm going to chuck in here is the Kansas City Chiefs because outside of Mahomes you've got Chad Henney uh, Shane... ah, look, look what he did in the playoffs I know I know but that aside like and, and do you know what do you know do you know what for that because he did show he's capable let's t- I'll, I'll immediately withdraw I'll withdraw the Chiefs from that uh, the Titans definitely in that conversation then the Lions Tampa Bay the Jets uh, we can't ignore the 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 Texans I think that. The only thing that you could say there is that Tyrod Taylor and Deshaun Watson in the same quarterback room, whether or not Watson's going to play, he's still there and he's still on the chart. So therefore, fine. Um, they managed to survive that one. Uh, the Bengals, Brandon Allen probably did just about enough to be passable. But beyond that, you know, Kyle Shermer and Eric Dungy, it's not particularly um, reassuring. So... Okay, right, we need to commit to this. What about John Wolf? John Walford as well. Did he show glimpses that make the Rams? He was, yeah, he was okay. In the, well, he wasn't terrible in the playoffs, was he? Am I imagining that? Like, he wasn't good, but he also wasn't He didn't horrendous. throw the game away, I don't think. Yeah, he, but he didn't have much competition with golf, let's be honest. Yeah, so. that's right. Okay, so it's it's two off the Jets, the Bucks, the Lions, the Titans, the Texans, and the Seahawks. Who's joining the Cowboys in that bottom three situation? Well, I, I'm I'm going Lions and, and Titans. I think they're they're struggling. I think you can't put the Texans in there until we know. I know Gordon's right. You know, I mean, I think he's currently training with the Houston Astros at the moment. Um, they want him nowhere near the Texans, but Deshaun is still there in that quarterback room. And if by some miracle he is allowed to play, they're a contender. So I don't think we can go. Yeah, there. and and also if if Watson starts, then Tyrod Taylor is the backup, and he's more than passable as a backup at that point. So like that kind of yeah. things. I, 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 I agree. 
I agree on Detroit. I would have them in the bottom three. Detroit are, are, are bad, but I think that there's a disclaimer there. Detroit are not going to they're not going to contend. I think we should be talking about teams that, if their number one goes down, suddenly their hopes blow up. Detroit oh, are Tampa Bay then close to contending. Ta- so, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay and the Titans. Yeah, Tampa Bay and the Titans. You're looking yeah. at. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I can get on board with that. Okay. Decided. The worst three quarterback situations outside QB1 in the NFL this season are the Dallas Cowboys, the Tennessee Titans, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh. There you go. Let's hope nothing happens to Messrs. Prescott, Brady, or Tannehill. Um, Okay, fine. On to the best situation then. Which quarterback room has got the most potential to just keep balling, no matter what happens? Well, I think there's two categories here. I think one category is who's in a position to displace the the probable starter. Yeah. Uh, so you so you could go with quarterback controversy. So that's and that's who, the third category. I think best yeah, yeah. overall situation and then most top three quarterback controversies waiting to happen. Okay, I mean in terms of somebody clearly backing up, um, well. Is Case Keenum good enough to back up at the Browns? Can he come in and win you a game or two? He's got experience. Um, you know, you've you've got to think that you know he'd be able to do something. He's got experience. Uh, he knows how to play the game. He does know how to win. And therefore, so if we're talking about if somebody goes out for two or three weeks, I think he's more than capable of shoving in a few starts. My own favourite, I think Charles mentioned Marcus Mariota. I take Mariota in your leans as a starter right now uh, simple as that i think he's he's more than good enough to start um i mean i've seen some talk of well isn't jordan love the the ideal candidate but i think he's not going to displace rogers but we don't know if he can actually play we do not know that yet um and you don't know that until they actually play an nfl game not pre-season whether they actually play a game so mariota to me is probably putting the raiders in a really good place i'm gonna I'm going to second your Cleveland shout for a couple of reasons. One, I think Case Keenum is good enough to win you a couple of games. He's done it in the past. Uh, two, that offense is very quarterback friendly with the amount of play action they run. And Stefanski is very good at scheming things open. And three, I think it goes beyond Case Keenum. Kyle Loletto looked pretty decent the other night. Yeah. He's only thrown five regular season passes and he was bad in the regular season for the Giants. But pretty good preseason in 2019 was really good in college and medley at a lower level in the FCS. Like that, for number three situations, that's really not bad. It, it's hard to see past, see past uh, the Raiders at one, though, just because Mario is uh, almost, you know, should be starting quarterback. Maybe Chicago, like if Dalton's the backup there, if not, it's Justin Fields. It pains me to say it, but I thought Jordan Love actually looked pretty good the other night. So maybe the Packers have actually got a pretty good backup situation there. I mean, I wouldn't spend the first round back on a backup quarterback. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gordon giveth and Gordon taketh away. Uh, Charles, what goodness. did you what did you make from your quarterback's performance in the preseason? I think he did exactly what everyone expected him to do. He's clearly a talented player, and he wasn't. I think it was probably. It would be un, you know, it would be unfair to suggest that he was going to go in and chuck, chuck the ball around and throw for, you know, you know, through two or three hundred yards. He was obviously going to be under a bit of pressure because there's been so much focus on him ever since he was picked. So he did exactly what he needed to do. He took a bit of a hit and went out, which, you know, was unfortunate. I think he'll probably end up playing again before the end of the month. And 
if he produces the same thing that he does again, then ultimately if the situation arises that he has to come in and take snaps, I think he's probably proved in that short window that he could be at least relied upon not to become a turnover machine. Um, there was a lot of short passes. There was nothing particularly sparkly. There was a nice um, there was a nice one over the over the middle of the field to Sternberger, which was I think a thirty or forty yard completion. Um, he's clearly got a massive arm, and he was also playing within himself. He can, he can run. He's got everything you you know everything you want in a modern day quarterback. So we're not going to see much of him this season. But I think ultimately you can see why the Packers have picked him. Um, turning to other teams, my, I look at um, Washington. And, you know, we, we all know what Fitzpatrick can do. But we also saw what Taylor Heineke did in the playoffs. So who's to say that Heineke cannot challenge Fitzpatrick for the starter job? Because ultimately, we know that Fitzpatrick cannot put a full season together without doing something daft. I mean, he's brilliant to watch and he's great values from a PR perspective and he lifts a locker room, but he's not a, a nailed-on starter. I would not be surprised if Heineke could end up being the starter there by the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, I Washington's a team for me that I've got in that list because of Heineke, and I think that that's a, a really interesting uh, backup. Even Kyle Allen isn't a total bum. Um, Stephen Montez, I know nothing about, I'll be perfectly honest, but Kyle Allen's not absolutely atrocious. Therefore, you've got Fitzpatrick, Heineke, and Allen there, and I think that's a fairly robust set of quarterbacks. There's two teams that I'm going to throw into this as well because I I don't think they qualify for a controversy because there's not a clear QB1 for me at either of these. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, because you've got Hurts and Flacco. Um, and actually, you know, if Hurts can live up to some of his potential and play well, then between him and Flacco, that's some really good depth. Nick Mullins had an absolute... Oh, I don't even know... <laughs> Bowfin is definitely the word for his preseason performance. It was stinking. Um, but we know that Nick Mullins is capable of winning in the NFL. So, you know, there's three quarterbacks in Philadelphia that can win games. Uh, the other one there that needs to be mentioned is, of course, the, the New Orleans Saints. And I think that you do have to talk about the Saints because between Hill and Winston, there are two very capable quarterbacks and it's not a controversy because there's no clear number one so there's no one's getting it's very, it's very capable of stretch i think they're very capable not necessarily of throwing the ball to one of their own wide receivers but they're capable um and they i think that, that's yeah they're capable do you know and i think that both of them can win games and whoever the saints whoever the saints roll out week one they will be in with a shout because that team's good enough to be in with a shout um, they're not bad enough to immediately discount them. Uh, and therefore, I think that if you're looking at kind of quality and, uh, and stability, I don't think there's a massive drop-off between either one of them. Now, maybe that's because they're just all terrible. But I just don't see it as being that face cliff going from a, a, a great quarterback to something utterly terrible that's going to ruin your season. I've, I've got an interesting team here in that. So if you're looking at the best quarterback rooms and not including the starting quarterback, then I think they've got a case to be the best. I'm not entirely convinced that either of their three quarterbacks could lead them in the playoffs this year, and that's New England. So Cam Newton, if he's your backup, I think you're pretty happy. Mac Jones, if he's your starter slash quarterback of the future, I think you're probably thinking, yeah, there's a chance there. And if Brian Hoyer's your third string quarterback, he's all right. He's been in the NFL for a while, got plenty of knowledge. 
It's a, it's a good quarterback room. Yeah. I just don't know that any of those guys are good enough to take it to the playoffs. It's an average quarterback room, let's be honest, with a bit of unprovenness in the in the middle of there. You can't judge any rookie who's you know who's who, who's never set foot on the field in in a, in a competitive game, and I you know you you got to include Jordan Love in that category, even though he's not a rookie anymore. The um you you could say this. The strongest quarterback room, if we're going on that regard, is arguably San Francisco because they've got Garoppolo, who was in a Super Bowl two years ago. And then they've got Trey Lance, who's just been picked with a number three pick, who's meant to be the future and this amazing 21st century machine. Yet we've never seen him on the on the field. I mean, there would be half a dozen franchises who would kill for one of those two to be their number one right now, I would think. So... Penny for the thoughts of uh, Shanahan. <laughs> what do you do? I think that the, I think we'll cover the San Francisco 49ers in the last category here because I think that's the controversy <laughs> waiting to happen, right? Uh, and I think that that Trey Lance touchdown, ooh la la, oh, uh, that got me out my seat. Let's not let's not speak about the rest of the performance. No, no, let's I was focus on the touchdown. Yeah, the touchdown yeah, was amazing. I, I, the rest of it was passable. It was possible. Is CJ Beathard still there, Cameron? No. If you CJ Beathard. CJ Beathard. No. After that, we've got Josh Rosen and Nate Sudfeld. So it, it falls off a cliff. Uh, CJ Beathard actually is another team that might deserve a little bit of a mention uh, for depth. Is the Jacksonville Jaguars? So you've got Trevor Lawrence, who of course is the hottest property number one pick coming out. You've got Gardner Minshew, who I could watch play all day long. You've got CJ Bethard, who is yeah, but fine as a number three. And then you've got Jake Luton, who I think showed flashes of some capability as well. There's there's talent in that quarterback room. So I think the Jags are in that conversation for overall good situation to be in. But guys, we need to pick three. I we've we've reamed off a bunch of names here. But we need to pick the best three. Who are the best three quarterback rooms in the NFL? I think we all I think we all agree the Raiders are at the top. Yeah. Or in the in the top amongst them. Again, I think we need to consider teams that are going to compete, teams that have got a playoff chance, a Super Bowl chance. So let's go let's go. Do you look at at New England? Do you look at New England and think are they going to make a run? Honestly, I mean they might have three half decent serviceable quarterbacks. I can't see them winning that division. No, but you don't need to win the division. Like, there's seven teams in each conference that make the playoffs now. They could, they, they could, could scrape a wild card potentially. Yeah, they're I, not going to win the Super Bowl. But that's what I mean. Like, teams here that have got a chance. They, they could, they could make the playoffs with either of those two quarterbacks because they were borderline last year, and that was without an off season. I, I would have, I would have the Raiders number one. Yeah. Uh, I, I would have. I think the Browns. I mean, the Browns, yeah, the Browns would be Browns would be in my Browns would be in my top three as well. And then I've got Washington, mm. and that that for me is my, Raiders, Cleveland, and Washington are the three that I think I just for with enough talent that they're not all six out of tens. What but, about Buffalo? Mitch Trubisky no. and Davis Webb. He- the MVP himself. No, no, thank you. The, the only one I thought was Miami, but to be honest, I read Senate, I don't know enough about to comment on. Jacoby Brissett's not a bad backup to Tua. Um, and I think that that's a couple of decent players, but there's not a huge amount of names in that list at all. Just the three of them. So, And to be honest, the Steelers, we touched on them earlier. You know, Big Ben, raced, uh, Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, but I think there's a lot of question marks there. Um I'm happy to go. I'm definitely happy to go Raiders and Browns. 
I would put Washington, but I'm open to any other submissions here. I'd probably have the Saints. Instead of? If we're, if we're say well, as number three instead of Washington. Okay. If we're saying that the Raiders are number one, going from David Carr to Marcus Mariota, is Marcus Mariota definitely better than J- uh, James Winston or Taysom Hill? Don't know. It's all much of a muchness. Isn't it? Yeah. It's all average. Average versus average. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think the shout for the Patriots. I think they've got the depth. They might not have the stars, but if Cam Newton fires, they've got you know they've got an experienced NFL quarterback. They've got the rookie who's going to be their supposed rookie sensation, and they've got a, a serviceable veteran at three. So I'd have the Patriots in there. Don't hate it. Mm, okay, we've there's actually a team we've not covered because I think it's possibly controversy. Do the Bears get a mention here? Between Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, and Justin Fields? Category. Are they in the next category? Next, next category. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Okay, so we've got Raiders. They're in. Browns, they're in. We're between Washington, the Saints, and the Patriots. Um, so we've all pitched. Do you know what, Charles? You can have the casting vote there. Just to stir the pot, I'm going to say the Saints because Jameis Winston is my uh, fantasy quarterback. <laughs> I want him to go off. <laughs> Funnily enough, I want them to go off as well, but that's, that's <laughs> it, that, the, the wonders of the English language that same phrase can mean so many things. I'd second the Saints. So I did, we weren't supposed to be doing quarterback controversies in this round, but there's one right there. Brilliant. Okay, right, let's move on to them nicely now. Biggest stories and quarterback controversies waiting to happen. Um, this is the meaty stuff that we're all looking forward to, let's be honest, because the rest of that stuff's just like, yeah, you're bad, you're good. Right. Where's the stories coming from? Um, this is this is my week one preseason take. Yeah, excited for this. Right, <laughs> Gordon, lead us off. Uh, the first week of preseason showed us that the Panthers and Colts probably shouldn't have traded for the quarterbacks they traded for, in the sense that both of those teams, but specifically the Colts, I think, are set up for everything but a quarterback for a couple of years. If they started Jacob Eason, he showed this week in preseason, he might actually be all right. He had a couple of really nice throws in there. Was PFF's highest graded quarterback for the week? It's preseason, so there's the caveat that comes along with that. But if he's terrible and he's your starting quarterback, you're probably picking in the top five. Carolina, similar scenario. Traded for Sam Darnold, who for some utterly bizarre reason doesn't need preseason reps despite the fact He's not been good in the NFL so far. And his most successful stint for the Jets was seeing ghosts and catching mono. (laughs) PJ Walker from the XFL. He was XFL, not AAF, I think. uh, Looked half decent. And again, similar scenario. If he's terrible, you're probably picking in the top five. And then you can draft a quarterback without having to spend much. Why, Why spend what you spend on Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz contrasts like twenty million dollars a year. You could have been, you could have had another cheap quarterback next year if Jacob Eason was bad. Well, the flip side to that, on both accounts, is Carson Wentz has a proven track record over the last year. Okay, he was garbage, but he also was borderline MVP candidate two, three years ago. So he has proved he can throw a ball. Um, I think they overpaid for him. When you look at Darnold, 
was it, you know, what remind me what what they paid for Darnold was it a third or a second? I can't remember. It was certainly wasn't a first. No, I is think it, is, that, is it not worth is it not worth chucking a second or a third round pick just to get a quarterback? And then do you know what if they do, if they do if they if they are appalling and they do go into the top five, then you know they they can obviously select. But surely to to goodness you've got to keep selecting quarterbacks and giving them a shot rather than just sort of sacrificing a season. Like you're sacrificing a season though. Like Walker showed something in the XFL. And Jacob Eason was like a weird up and down quarterback in college. The, the Carson Wentz thing is really interesting because he was really good for that first part of that season and he just steadily got worse and worse over time. It's not entirely different career trajectory from Cam Newton, who had an actual MVP season and then just quite steadily got worse and worse each year. So maybe, and maybe I say it's not. The Sam Darnold thing, I think, is more excusable than the Wentz thing because the Wentz thing comes with like twenty million dollar a year contracts. And Wentz I just don't think w- they've also taken Wentz because, and this is the Frank Reich theory, of course, is that Frank Reich knows Wentz inside out and thinks that he can reconstruct him. So there's a plan there in that regard. So I understand why they made the move. It was a straightforward move for them to just slot somebody in who's going to stand there like Rivers did last year, not move around. And hopefully, that didn't work for them last year. Well, it, it worked for them up to a point, but you know, you, you get you get to the you get to the wild card round, you go out. That's you a lot. That they, it's a lot of money though for that strategy. I think it, I think they overpaid. I think they overpaid. I think Philadelphia got a good deal out of it, but ultimately you've got to you have to I in the NFL you can't build for next year or the year after. You got you've got to give your team a chance. That's why Detroit selling the house for the next two years. What's the point as a Lions fan in turning up? At least the Colts will I mean, turn what's up. What's the point for the Lions turning up for the last like twenty years? <laughs> Ever, exactly, it, exactly. And that, if you're a fan and if you're a franchise that's got any kind of ambition, surely to goodness you want to be going in there thinking we've got a chance here. Okay, he's not the greatest quarterback in the league. Okay, he has had a knee injury. He's he was duff last year, but there are pieces there that they can put together. Darnold has not proved anything at all. But he's a number two pick. Now, he's a number two pick because, you know, he, he's a Jamarcus Russell number two, what, number one, number two pick. I mean, who was the biggest bust of all time? No, he's not. He's clearly, there must be something there that they feel that they can work with. Who's bet, And he's clearly a better, from their point of view, a better prospect than what they had left. I mean, they could have stuck with Teddy Bridgewater, but Teddy Bridgewater did nothing last year to, to prove that he was going to be you know, a team that's you know a team that was capable of of taking Carolina far. They've got a whole new setup in Carolina. I can understand why they went for Darnold. I think that they paid a fair enough price for it because at the end of the day, if they are rubbish, if they finish in top five, then as you said, that they can go back to the well again next year. I think you just have to keep taking your chances on it. See, I, I agree. I, I just think that the chance to take was Eason and Walker. So I Dar- Darnold and Carolina, I've got more sympathy for because I think you can at least look at him more and say situation was terrible. Things got bad in New York and, you know, he needed a fresh start. It's not that far into his career. Wentz has proven that he's got progressively worse. And at that point you're saying, it's just NFL coaches do this all the time. They look at situations and they say, I know better than what the likelihood of this scenario working out is. The likelihood of Carson Wentz working out and being 
better than Philip Rivers was last year. It's not the most likely thing in the world. Him being serviceable and passable and then being a borderline wildcard team again like they were last year, sure, that there's a relatively reasonable chance that'll happen. But is Carson Wentz at what you're having to pay for him at 20 million a year? And if he gets you to the playoffs, you're giving him a first round pick for him. Is he enough to turn them into a Super Bowl contender? Probably not. And this is a team that's just paid Darius Leonard a lot of money at linebacker. They're going to pay Quentin Nelson a lot of money at guard. Those are positions that if you're chunking a lot of money into, you have to have a saving somewhere. And they don't have that saving at quarterback, really, because Wentz costs a decent amount. Now, he doesn't cost what Patrick Mahomes costs, but it's not a massive saving given the fact that he's not really going to elevate you, I don't think. Mr. Mitchell? You look like you were coming in. Yes, and you were you were pointing at the screen. What's it pointing for? I'm in, a, I'm in a, di- a different order of a quad box. It's there's a valid point. Things, <laughs> yeah, there's two things that spring to mind. One, our listeners should appreciate we're recording this on Zoom. It's now coming close to nine o'clock at night. Carmen sits in his front room, and it gets darker and darker and darker. He looks like the host out the tales of the unexpected <laughs> at the moment. You know, it's it's brilliant. I must take a picture. Um, I, th- I think it's interesting. I think from I think there's two different situations. The Colts have a chance to win their division, and I think it's always worth the punt to win your division. I don't think Carolina are going anywhere near their division title. Therefore, I would question the Darnold signing if you had somebody that might have been serviceable. That said, I think I think it's worth what they've paid for him because he might be decent. And if he's decent, you know, the Saints have got problems. Uh, Atlanta are going to have problems eventually because Matt Ryan's not going to go out and the Buccaneers are going to lose Brady in the next couple of years. If Sam Darnold can go in there and establish himself in year one and year two, they might actually have a franchise quarterback on their hands. So I, I've actually got some sympathy for, for what they've done. I certainly think it's it's worth it's worth the risk. So, you know, you know it's, it, it's complex. You know, I think the Colts had to go for someone because they've got a chance of winning their division. We, we've mentioned what might happen to Tennessee if if Tannehill goes down, you know, the Jaguars could be anything this year. The Texans, well, they could be anything as well. So I think the division's there. Anytime that you can deliver your divisional title to your fans, that buys you as a general manager and the coach at least another season or two. Yep. And I, just to wrap this up and further add that this is a complex issue, I agree a lot with the sentiments, but not with the statements. My take on this one is that the uh, situation in Indianapolis uh, is that, yeah, they've overpaid. I don't think they could have possibly ran with just Essen. I think they needed somebody, but they've gone high for a guy who has as much uh, output, really, uh, and as much great game time as Nick Foles, who, you know, finished off the season that Vince started. So I think that, yeah, the Colts probably, they needed someone, but I don't think he was the right someone. Uh, Carolina, I think, I think Donald's worth the risk. But I think, for me, you know, we're talking about controversies here. I think that this all brings it back to that. And PJ Walker is absolutely one of the quarterbacks that could knock the QB1 off his seat because Sam Darnold is QB1 in Carolina. And no way PJ Walker's going in as QB1, but he could be by week five or six. Um, I think he's got a lot of upside. And therefore, they would still need someone else. I think Darnold's still serviceable in there. But I think P.G. Walker and the Panthers are primed for QB controversy this season. I think week five or six is a bit premature. I think he'll he'll get a little bit longer than that, unless he absolutely crashes and burns. Um, 
you know, they clearly see Darnold as some somebody that they can mold and and maybe regenerate a bit. I think he'll get a little bit more time than that. The what we I talked about at the top, the one I'm really interested in is Pittsburgh, because if Roethlisberger's arm has gone, you've got three complete and utter duds behind him who are all equally capable of taking over. <laughs> And you know what Pittsburgh do? They always make a run and always get to the playoffs. So who's to say that with all these turds of quarterbacks behind Roethlisberger that they still can't do a job? (laughs) One of the things I think that people underrate about the NFL, like when we focus on teams a lot of the time, is that good organisations generally have this annoying habit of staying relatively good. Packers have not been had many rough seasons recently. You know, they're still, they're always really, and, and again, having a quarterback definitely helps that, but teams like that, the Patriots, even after losing Brady last year, they didn't completely fall apart. They were still floating about the playoffs. You know, the Ravens, even when Joe Flacco wasn't playing particularly well, again, always in and around that playoff hunt. That's Pittsburgh. Like that's that's why it's hard to entirely buy into Cleveland at this point in time because they've given us like a season. You kind of need to become one of those teams that you know can do that. And Pittsburgh consistently are in around the playoffs, even when Roethlisberger was poor last year. They were still there. They still got off to like a really hot start and then fell apart, but they were still good enough to make the playoffs. They they could absolutely make the playoffs without Roethlisberger. Don't think they would be, you know, a threat to be the number one seed. Don't think they're a threat to win the Super Bowl. But it really wouldn't shock me if one of those guys winds up starting because Roethlisberger just can't get it done anymore. Yeah, and and I guess that's possibly why it wouldn't be a controversy because it's a player who's reaching the end of his career and on the way out against guys that have clearly been brought in to take over from him at some point. If we're looking for controversies, you know, PJ Walker has not been brought into out. You know, to knock Sam Darnold off his seat. Um, Trey, and I'm going to put the 49ers into this conversation because different situation. Trey Lance has definitely been brought in to be the future number one, but I don't think there's ever been an intention to to have him knock Jimmy Garoppolo off his seat early in the season. And I think that's one that could potentially happen as well if he gets enough game time and opportunity to show that he's worth the risk. I don't really believe a word that comes out of San Francisco after they spent the entire offseason getting people to tell us they were taking Mac Jones. <laughs> and then now they have Trey Lance. It's like, no, no, he's not He's not going to start. He's not getting reps with the ones. Oh, no, he actually is getting reps with the ones. <laughs> It'd still be a controversy, though, to, to take, to, out, to knock a, a, a quarterback on that contract off his seat, having not played no, no, when, last not season. When you've gone three, not when you've gone three overall. Okay. If he goes three overall and doesn't play all season, that's the controversy. Yeah. And it well, means that Garoppolo's um, clearly bribing uh, Shanahan with something or there's all sorts of illicit goings on taking place that we don't know about. And Yeah, do you know I'm maybe looking at this the wrong way. Maybe the controversy isn't about Lance taking over Jimmy Garoppolo. It's Jimmy Garoppolo being number one all season long. Um, and I guess Chicago is that same conversation. Maybe the conversation there is that Andy Dalton doesn't end up being QB2 and he runs the Bears to the playoffs this year. That would be a controversy. <laughs> what? Well, if, <laughs> Not if, a if chance you, that's happening. Well, if, that's exactly you, my point. The controversy. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do we have a potential burger bay here? <laughs> I am happy to lump burgers on the fact that Andy Dalton will not 
Andy Dalton or the Bears? a winning record. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton or the Bears? Full stop. The Bears are not going to the playoffs. Okay, I'll take that burger bet. The Bears will. The Bears are not going. I will. I will take. I will take burgers, chips, coleslaw. You name it. On the Bears. Burger. I'm quite happy to do that. Burger bet. Bears are going to the playoffs. The Bears are not going to the playoffs. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Burger bet done. No a Second of the season. <laughs> second of right, the can, season. Can write we, it can down. We talk, can, can we talk Bob Baggery for a minute? Yes. Um, and the sheer Bob Baggery that is the franchise that they dare call the New Orleans Saints, who on their website, under their depth chart, list Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston in alphabetical order as first-choice quarterback. <laughs> Alphabetical by first name or surname? That was my question. No, uh, yeah, well, I, th- I think, I mean, the common practice would be surname, obviously. Um, yeah, so that, I'm looking at it right now. Quarterback, first team, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. Second team, Trevor Simeon. Third team, Ian Book. That's Bob Agony from the Saints, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Got to keep, the, get the, keep the punters guessing, Paul. Who's QB well, one? Both of them. It's it's one of the most tiresome stories that's that's coming out, isn't it? Because you either it won't necessarily be determined by games. They'll know it in practice. They he'll know who his starting quarterback is. I'm fairly certain of that. If you rely on preseason to tell you the difference between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, I think there's something far wrong here. Um, if he doesn't know what he's got. And I, I would suggest that you cannot bring in Jameis Winston if you were not intending necessarily to use him because, you know, Hill was in the building, so if Breeze went down, Hill was your future. So obviously there's doubts there, so he brings in Winston. I think Winston will be QB1, and it's going to make for a very uneasy opening week. I'm just going to edit that so that you say uh, an easy opening week, and then we can play it back when it all goes horribly wrong. <laughs> I've recorded it on mine as well. Don't you, buddy? I'm, I'm going to be like these media organisations that stand next to the managers and hold a phone when they record the interview just to make sure that nothing's no being misrepresented. Yep. If you're, yep. Cameron, if you're right. not careful, Paul's going to start charging you for his thoughts. <laughs> for podcast. You're going to have to pay a fee in order to get him on. Uh, no, I'm a podcast. 20, I'm a, I get free 20, access as long as I speak nicely of him. As long as I say all 20, the things he wants me to say, then I get it for 25 free. 25 grand a year, that's what that's what it'll take <laughs> to get access. Um, so, okay. We need to pick top three controversies. So, is the Panthers... Oh, they're not going to get to the playoffs, so you can't count them. I think the Bears, if purely for the fact that there's a burger now on the fact that they will go to the playoffs or not... Um, they've got three potential potential starters there. Okay, so Bears. I think you've got to pick the Bears. 49ers? Yep, 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then is Washington the other one? If Tyler Heineke wins the job over controversial, is it? Fitzpatrick. It's not, was it controversial when Fitzpatrick got benched for Tua? Not really, because everyone knew it was going to happen. Heineke is not Tua. Right, that's not the same. No, it's not. But the thing is, if Heineke takes the job over Fitzpatrick, is Fitzpatrick going? Is it going to be a controversial that he's not playing? No, because he's such a nice guy. I'll go. Oh well, you know that's fine. Okay, I'm he a bitch. He bitched and nobody lost the job to Tua last year. He's still I, crying about it. Well, and he's, quite, he's quite right to do so as well. That was that was, that was, that was shocking. That, that was shocking. Disgusting. I think it's going to be it's going to be more controversial if um, if Taysom Hill's starting as quarterback. Let's be honest, or if Cam <laughs> Newton is starting as quarterback and week 17 because I don't think it will be 
I, I think we've missed one, and and that is, does Gardner Minshew have any chance of taking out Trevor Lawrence? No. <laughs> now, Gardner the reason Minshew. I say that, yeah, no, no, hang on, God. The reason I say that with a smile is, it is one of the worst tropes that that's come out of this preseason. Is people are trying to big up Gardner Minshew as if he's got a chance to but start. They've been they've been doing this for his whole career. Like he was a fun story as a sixth round pick. He's better than a sixth round pick. Does anyone want Gardner Minshew as their starting quarterback? No. Saints do. They would take no. him. No, no, even the Saints do. You've got at least some upside with Winston and Taysom Hill. What is the upside of Gardner Minshew? Oh, you might get the first overall pick and land Trevor Lawrence. Well, he came out this year, so tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about Denver? Is that a controversy? Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater? It's not really, is it? Because, meh. Um, no, that's that's just pure ineptitude on their part for failing to get a good quarterback. Is there a chance yeah. Jacoby Brissett... Jesus, oh, this beer's going to my head. Uh, Jacoby Brissett. Is there a chance Jacoby Brissett uh, gets the job over Tua? And Tua Probably gets not. Tua gets Fitz Magic this season. Mm. Mm, no, Tua will start. I mean, the thing He'll is... He'll start, Dave, but... It's, the thing in Denver is like you have red sauce or brown sauce on your rolling sausage. I mean, there's not a great deal of difference. It's personal preference. There's there's going to be no great great difference as far as that's concerned. I think if you're looking for controversy, I mean, not even. I mean, if Taysom Hill starts, I don't even think that's a great controversy in New Orleans. One of them is going to get pitched in, and you know, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if we see both of them in the same game in week one. So and just used in different ways. So I don't think that that's that's controversy. I think you know, controversy would be Jordan Love starting in week one. That would be hysterical. But now think, controversy. Yeah. Jordan Love ending the season for the Packers because Green Bay know that Aaron's leaving. Only only if they're missing the playoffs and they're not going yeah. to miss the playoffs. Yeah. Which which Fine. they won't. That which doesn't count then. Okay. I'm I'm fishing here. We're struggling. We've got the Bears and the 49ers as the controversies. We need a third. Come on. who's What's the third most controversial story at the quarterback position? I need commitment here, boys. <laughs> controversy will be if uh, Deshaun Watson lines up under centre. That's your controversy. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I, I think it's Carolina. I know, I know it's not uh, the most exciting thing in the world. but Yeah, I'm going to back you. I'm going to put Carolina in it because would, I think P.J. Walker be, beaten Darnold. Be the Raiders? Would it not be the Raiders? Because the Raiders at least have a shot at the playoffs. And but De- Derek Carr's not getting benched, though. I, I don't know. I think Gruden would dearly love to do it if the situation arose. I mean, he's, he's been, he would actually love to biff Derek Carr probably for the last two years if you were to delve into his deepest, darkest thoughts. The Raiders have got a chance of making the postseason. So, to me, that they seem a more viable candidate than Carolina, who, let's be honest, are not very good. <laughs> No, I know, but I think I think PG Walker winning the job over sure, Sam Darnold. Tra- yeah, if you've just traded for a quarterback and then you don't play him after week seven, yeah, that is controversial. Right, Panthers are in. It's done. Okay. It's done. There you go. Uh, we'll put all this together into a little graphic. We'll put it out later in the week. But there you go. There's your QB stories for the season ahead. Took only took us fifty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the longest anyone's ever spent talking about backup quarterbacks. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's the kind of podcast we are. We find the level of detail that our audience wants. Yeah, that's, and that's if you've made deliver. it this far, congratulations. So let's give them some podcast news, Paul. Uh, first of all, we put this out as a tweet. We're delighted that the Bonnie Sauce Company are once again sponsoring our Pick'em competition as we try and pick... There are trying to find the pick king or queen of Scotland for 2021. Um, this is now, let me think about this first. Our fourth season of doing this. Uh, and thanks to the people at Bonnie Sauce Company, the prize for winning will be an NFL jersey of your choice. It will be an NFL Scotland hoodie. It will be entry to the NFL Scotland uh, podcast fantasy league with all of us with Stevie May, with Gary Miller, with Henry Pergos, with Ali Evans, and the current NFL Scotland fantasy champion, Scott Cooper. Um, so you get entry into that for 2022, and you get some amazing uh, Bonnie Sauce hot sauces to, to spread all over your game snacks. Uh, just thought <laughs> I'd leave that hanging there for a while to see if anyone wanted to jump in. What a, gr- what a great read that was. That was tremendous. <laughs> you well played. Sp- I'll, I'll, I'll come in and help you out here. I'm, I'm going to give you a controversial take. I actually prefer the Pick'em to fantasy football. How about that? I love the Pick'em. It's just great fun. Uh, it's easy to do. It's easy to play. It takes a couple of minutes every week, and yeah, just bang, bang the things in there. Uh, I'll probably get a Saints jersey when I win it, but I'm more interested in getting loads of the hot sauce. Just magnificent stuff. Yep, very, very good. I'm absolutely delighted to be working with Scottish companies. We've got a few signed up for this year. Bonnie Sauce coming back on board was job number one. We've got another couple in the weeks ahead. We're going to be very excited to share that. Um, the other one, Paul, is we are officially going back to the Golf Tavern for week one. Yeah, looking forward to that. We're not going to do too much. We're just probably just do a podcast chat amongst the guys. I think what people are wanting, Cameron, is just an excuse to get back together as a group of NFL fans and have a chat and have a beer. Uh, as far as the NFL Scotland team is concerned, we'll all have a burger at your expense, which we're highly looking forward to. You finally get a chance to deliver. Um, it's an expensive night ahead for you, but it'll be great fun. I might <laughs> even buy you a half pint. How about that? <laughs> Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, so week one back at the Golf Tavern. Uh, tickets are very limited for this. We don't have as many as we normally do. Um, what we are going to be doing is making those available to people who have attended our previous events first. So if you're listening to this and you've ever come along to one of our Edinburgh events, you're going to get access to buy tickets for this one first. Uh, we're going to give people a bit of time to do that. And if there's any left, then they will go on general sale. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're capping the numbers for this one. We know that restrictions are lifting in Scotland. However, what we want to do is make sure that it's a pleasant experience for everybody. Uh, We want to make sure that it's not overly crammed. As people are adjusting to a new way of life, we just want everyone to enjoy it. And like you say, get back together, get a good crowd in the golf, great beer, great food, multiple screens. We'll show the game. We'll show Red Zone. We'll have a chat. We'll all be there. Very much looking forward to it. Right, on to other talking points. Paul, you wanted to discuss... Uh, Hard Knocks episode one. Yeah, just for go to Hard Knocks episode one, I'm looking forward to going to Florida next year where I'll be able to pick up my Tim Tebow Jaguars jersey from the discount rack uh, <laughs> because Tim Tebow has been cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a sad but day. As a measure measure of his stardom, I mean, he, he, all of the jerseys for the Jags went to the top ten of sales right across the country with Tebow's number eighty five. So I'm telling you now, I'm coming back next year with a black. Jacksonville Jaguars 85 jersey with Tebow on it because 
they're bound to be in the discount rack. Hard Knocks, anybody excited by Hard Knocks? I thought it was fairly average. I didn't think there was a great deal of narrative. Uh, you took to Dak Prescott for the way he talked about his brother, the way he talked about his injury. But apart from that, you know, Jerry Jones tearing up because this is the place he wants to be. I'm not really into sort of millionaire billionaires having a, having a little tear to themselves and getting emotional um, about things like that. You know, when you can bugger off to your yacht and sail around during a pandemic. So I'm not really, <laughs> I didn't really feel the love and the empathy. And I actually quite like Jerry Jones. The, the Ezekiel Elliott trying to wrap a parcel um, if there's a lower form of television available this year, I've yet to see it. Um, that was really naff. Um, I think they're struggling. I don't know whether teams... It'd be interesting to see what, what you guys think. I'm just wondering if teams are much more guarded now about hard knocks and they're trying to cut out anything that might actually look as if it's interesting. It's all about control, though. Could be yeah. Because clubs, um, not just in the NFL, look, look across sport. Football's the easiest example. It's all about controlling the narrative, putting a positive image out. I mean, associations and clubs have been doing that for years now, but this this um, paranoia that somebody's going to latch on to uh, uh, the, the perception that things are going awry or things are out of control um, means that it is completely sanitized, totally sanitized. And actually, it, it means that when something does happen, the media totally latch on it, the public totally latch on it when actually it's probably not that big a deal in the first place. I mean, I'll actually, there is a lot to be said for them completely throwing the doors open. You, you saw with um, the Man City uh, All or Nothing series, the whole thing was completely um, sanitized and uh, eliminated all the risk factor. You should be signing up to that with a view, right, we are going to open the doors and we are going to completely spread ourselves to the world and this is going to be no holds barred. It just doesn't work like that anymore because of the, the amount of money that's at stake in terms of the product and the brand and the sponsorship. And that's just, unfortunately, the way that professional sport is. It's It shouldn't be like that. And someone should be brave enough to, to take the lead and say, you know what, you need to make more of an effort. But the NFL have got a product to protect. Yeah, it, it feels contrived now for me, uh, Hard Knocks. I think that they were given weird little nuggety stories. I, Jerry Jones, I don't know if there's something behind it, so I feel like I don't want to go too hard on criticise him for tearing up because there might be something that's happened that's making him emotional about where he is. If it's just straight about the fact that he's glad to be back at the football field and he's crying, then, yeah, save me the tears, man. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd probably, be on his yacht. I want to be I'd, on his yacht. Yeah, I'd cry tears of joy if I wanted to be yachting on the American football team. <laughs> But I just, yeah, it, it's not quite got going just yet. Uh, and I think that we'll give it another couple of weeks. Um, but also, I don't know that there's that, I don't know there's that many characters in the Dallas Cowboys roster either, which is always part of the, Micah Parsons seems like he could be quite fun. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There's just not a lot of, didn't seem like a lot of fun. Oh, 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 I've stolen Dak's bike. Oh, oh, oh the Jeeps. Uh, uh. I won I wondered who it was. I'm glad you've I'm glad you've owned up to it at last. <laughs> yeah, I mean and it really what I mean, between stealing Dak's bike, wrapping of the present, the unwrapping of the present, I mean there, there just wasn't there wasn't for me anything in it um that made me think, yeah, I'm, I'm really can't wait 
for episode two. I've been to Dallas. I've visited the stadium. They're a heck of an organization. There's no doubt about that. I've mentioned before on the podcast, their stadium tour is immense. The way they just let people wander and go on the field. and all, there's, there's all sorts of great things about them. But that just that struck me as sanitized, um, not particularly interesting. And if you're a producer on Hard Knocks, you're praying for something to happen because there, there, certainly, there certainly wasn't much in it. Well, if you look at three years ago, they had the Cleveland Browns and Hugh Jackson imploding on screen. And then Mm. two years ago, they had the Antonio Brown shambles with the Raiders, which was not, it it wasn't compelling viewing, but it it would have been five-star box office compared to what we saw last year with the two LA teams. And this is just, it's it's the slippery slope. Ultimately, you need characters. And television and entertainment, you need big characters and you need big characters to fill the screen and to realize that they are part of a show and the problem is a lot of professional sportsmen are, are wary of the media and guarded as soon as a camera switch light switches on or as soon as you know, someone switches a recording device on they don't want to be seen to be you know you know doing something to their image ultimately and that's what it is and they, remember the dallas cowboys is the biggest brand in world sport so heaven hell it you know hit you know Whoever whoever ruins the image will be out on their ear. So the last thing you want to do is be is to be destroying the the the, 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 the sainted image of the cowboys. And ultimately, it's just a case of right. We've got to get through the next four weeks, lads. Just let's not make any cock ups here. <laughs> um. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from here with the rest of Hard Knocks. Will you be watching in, guys, or will you now avoid it? We've not really sold it, have we? No. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be watching it, Cameron, because yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in it. I'll watch it. But, I mean, Gordon made a good point. The one last year was dreadful when it, when it actually could have been decent with, with not one but two teams to look at. It was fairly bland. Um, and, it, and if Charles is right that, you know, they've gotten into the hands of, of the PR and media people, then as an idea, it's dead, you know. So, it, it's it really also, like, simple. from a PR and media thing, the way social media is these days, it's not like it's not even like stuff gets picked up on. Is any mistake you made is a meme in thirty seconds. So everyone's very cautious. Even individuals now don't really want to make a fool of themselves anymore. No one really wants that mockingness. My my take on watching it is exactly it was as it was last week. I'll catch the highlights on Twitter. If anything's good, I'll maybe watch the whole thing. It's fair. Uh, the one other thing we need to talk about before we wrap up for this week is the standoff between Jamal Adams and the Seahawks is over. Jamal Adams now the highest paid safety in the NFL. A four-year extension, uh, $70 million contract with $38 million guaranteed. It means that's a $17.5 million per year average uh, and puts him over $2 million more than the second highest safety, which is Justin Simmons at the Broncos. And Landon Collins is the only safety to receive, to receive more guaranteed money, which was $44.5 million, but that was on a six-year deal. Um, worth that much money for a safety? Gordon, I'm going to ask you first. So, I mean, first things first, it's not surprising that the player who the team paid two first-round picks for won the standoff, not the team who spent two first-round picks. <laughs> We've seen, we saw it happen with Houston and Laramie Tunsil. If you spend a huge amount of draft picks before you sign the player and don't have that agreement in place, you're paying through the nose or he's leaving as a free agent. And that's what they've had to do. 
I, I saw someone tweet this today and I don't disagree with it. And I've definitely been guilty of this in the past. There is like a, a habit now and, and analytics definitely plays a part in this. Anytime a player who is not a quarterback signs a big contract, first thing so many people seem to do is rush out and go, oh, you spent too much on this player. Is it more than I would like to have spent on Jamal Adams? Probably. Is he one of the best safeties in the NFL? Yes. Can you move him around? Can he rush the rush the passer? Is he good in coverage? Yes. You have to pay good players, unfortunately, or someone else is going to pay. If the Seahawks weren't willing to pay Jamal Adams this amount, someone else would have. So at that point, there is an element of you need to pay the market value. Do safeties grow on trees, just like running backs? <laughs> so, so I think... I think like an average safety, I think if you have an average safety, you don't need to overpay for that. But the truly special safeties like Derwin James, if you can stay healthy, Minka Fitzpatrick in Pittsburgh, Jamal Adams in, in Seattle, those guys are rare. And guys that you can move around a lot and can do certain things. So at that you point, know, I think you have to pay them. Yeah, I mean, I look at, if you go back 10 years or so, you look at the best safety, or the best, probably two safeties since I've been watching the NFL this century, were arguably... Polamalu and Ed Reed, and you would have paid, you would have emptied the house to pay for both of them. Um, is Jamal Adams one, that good? One more so than the other, if we're being perfectly honest. Yeah, it's a yeah. Small, well, small point. Park it now, park it now. But ultimately, <laughs> you know, it, it is, is Jamal Adams to that level? Is he of that standard? Is he going to be that much of a game changer for Seattle? Seattle's defense is pretty average across the board. I mean, apart from Bobby Wagner, there's not much there, you know. The, the defense that they had five, six years ago is, has been blown up completely. So, if this is if he is going to be the cornerstone of another great Seattle defense, then absolutely. Otherwise, would it not be, you know, they, they as you said, they, they lost all their bargaining power when they threw two two picks at it. But they threw two picks at him because they felt that they were on the cusp of the Super Bowl. To me, they don't look to be a team that's in the top five in the NFC. They don't. They, you know, they're, not, they're not even the best team in their own division, so it's a difficult one for them. They're, they're kind of stuck with a, between a rock and a hard place because they sold themselves down the river with the picks, so they had to pay for them. But are you not then leaving yourselves wide open at other points of your defense? They're going to have to draft really well over the next few years, and I don't think that they can really do that now. I think, given the division they're in, though, and everyone's gearing up with gunslingers and guys that can throw the ball down the field. It is an area you're going to have to be strong at to survive. And it's an area that I'm concerned about for the Niners. The secondary there is a mess. Um, uh, it's an, a real area of concern for me. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, we're utterly reliant on our front seven doing damage to, to limit what comes over the top. But when stuff does come over the top, with the wide receivers in that league, you know what, with the DeAndre Hopkins... Um, with uh, for me, Cooper Cup, I think is a great wide receiver. Um, and I think that that's you know, Brandon Ayuk's obviously a big threat, George Kittle's a big threat. You need strong safeties and secondary to deal with that. And I think that the Seahawks did have to pay him, uh, definitely as simple as that. I do think as well, like if they so, if you assume the Seahawks are probably a playoff team, and having Russell Wilson, I think, says that they probably are a playoff team, you get into the playoffs, one of the most important things with defense is players that can just step up and make like a game-breaking play 
you know, maybe he blitzes, forces a fumble on a quarterback, maybe he has a pick six, something like that. He is the type of player that can make those impact plays. And if you're a team that can get to the playoffs, I think having those type of players on defense is valuable. Definitely. Anything to add, Mr. Mitchell? Would you have played uh, No, I mean, I, I think it comes as utterly no surprise that the player won that one. I mean, the money was <laughs> on the player all day long. I think, you know, Seattle dug themselves into a hole and there was only one winner. Indeed, indeed. Right, last. Has anyone got anything else they want to cover? No, okay, I've got one last question that I've just seen uh, a poll on Twitter. I need to ask your opinion on this and then we'll wrap up for this week. The Vikings Gazette at Vikings Gazette have posted and I just want your gut response to this. Kirk Cousins has not yet appeared in the NFL top uh, top 100 list as voted on by the player themselves. So far, we've seen 100 to 41. The final 40 have yet to be revealed. The Cousins omission is because, one, he's a top 40 player, or two, he isn't on the list. What do you say, boys? <laughs> Come well, on. Like, <laughs> like Kirk Cousins, question, isn't it? Yeah. Like Kirk Cousins uh, recently, I'm not going to answer that because it's a, a, personal, a personal decision. <laughs> I think they're fishing a little bit, aren't they? It doesn't seem to be. Currently, 13% of the vote says that he's a top 40 player and 87 says that he's not on the list. (laughs) Are those um, 13% uh, all happen to live in the city of uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul? (laughs) Well, anyway, I saw that little question. I thought, well, we had to answer it here. We had to answer it here. So there you go. There you go, Vikings Gazette. You didn't need to put it out there. You could have just come and asked us. But that is the Full Time Whistle for episode 155. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Please share your thoughts on this episode and every episode on social media at Scotland NFL and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Remember to check out our social media. It'll tell you all about the Pick'em competition. It'll tell you all about the Golf Tavern as well. Week one is getting closer. More playoff football. Well, we wish playoff football more. Pre-season football, which some treat like playoff football and analyse it to death. <laughs> you won't get that here on the NFL Scotland podcast. We'll tell you how it is. My thanks to Charles. My thanks to Gordon. My thanks to Cameron. Thanks to you for listening. But until next time, bye for now. <laughs>